Hello, welcome to the Osborne Gamer. I'm your host, Rob. Uh, well, I'm one of the Robs today, uh, which is which is lovely. I'm joined by Ziggy and the much better Rob. Uh, hello, Ziggy. How are you? Uh, not bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Uh, better Rob, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. <laughs> well, it's great to have you here. So we're recording this like offline, behind the scenes. Uh, I didn't let the Twitch chat involve because I don't like them uh, today. Uh, no, no, none of that. Um, but we are going to talk about the, the the stats, how they're created, the process, some of the methodology, just for a bit of transparency and clarity for people out there. So if you're watching this back on YouTube or listening to it as a podcast, you guys will be able to see this and kind of like understand the processes, the reasoning behind a lot of it, maybe what you could do to help in the future, and really what the goal and intent is uh, with all of it going forward. So if, if you and if you guys don't know what you're talking about, we're talking about uh, the Age of Sigma Stat Center stuff, which you can find us on Twitter, and you can also find them all hosted on uh, the Honest War Gamer website, uh, basically. Ziggy and Rob are basically fully responsible for it at this stage. Uh, I'm just a maniacal bipartisan part of the process now, uh, which has occurred for a while. So uh, if you guys are interested in hearing me talk about it, uh, they're available on YouTube in, in varieties of different ways and as a podcast. Um, okay, so should we start out with uh, maybe uh, just a bit about both of you? Because I think that'd be fun. Uh, Ziggy, let's start out with you. When did you get into the hobby? What's been going on? Uh, like, when did you start? What do you do? Do you like to play? Like, what's your situation? What you going? Just talk to me about you for a bit. So I got into the hobby, ooh, 2002? maybe 2001 2002 something around that um as a waster of a uni student i uh, wandered down uh, to the high street in sheffield didn't find anything there wandered further down to the back of beyond uh which is the moor in sheffield um, and found a games workshop hanging in there and uh, walked in and uh that was probably one of the worst decisions i've ever made in my life uh, for both my wallet and my time uh, my waistline um and the people i met well the people i met were pretty decent but um got into it because my brother started and uh i picked up a uh, a book so i think it was gaunt's ghosts dan abnett read that loved it really thought it was interesting found what i a, a model called a scout and thought that was the same thing as what they were started painting it up and realized that it was completely wrong and i picked up a space marine and not a guardsman um and kind of from there it was just kind of meeting the people enjoying the time there in the shop one of my best friends now are the people i met in those kind of first couple of weeks uh met my best man working in there so i ended up working in that shop as well for a good number of years as a, as a key time member of staff uh loved the discount weight ordering was amazing uh for all the models you could ever possibly want and uh, kind of just went from there, kind of been in and out of it ever since, mostly painting, modeling. I do some sculpting, play some games to a not incredibly bad level, I, I guess. Uh, and mostly now play with just some local friends around their house, uh, usually on the weekend whenever we get the chance. COVID's had a bit of an impact on that, not done as much as would like to have done over the last couple of years. Uh, so instead, I've subbed it in by, I guess, watching you, um, which has kind of been a good kind of way to keep in touch with all of it. And then the last, what, six months, maybe three or four months, depending on how long back you kind of go, looking at trying to figure out how to get AOS stats involved into it because you were quite keen on trying to do something um, following your years of struggles. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. And uh, I apologise that you watch me. That sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rob, what about yourself? Uh, when did you get into it? How, how like wh- like where's your involvement at the moment? Um, so I started probably like most people's like early teenager. Um, started like with Airfix kits and then progressed onto GW stuff. Started with 40k like most people. Um, did the classic thing that most people did do it through the teenage years, stop when you go to college and uni, then pick it up again after. Um, but then continued with that, really moved from 40k to uh, fantasy. So had quite a big Vampire Counts army and just carried on that through to Age Sigma. So pretty much only play Death Armies. And having a Vampire Counts army, you've had, had most of a Flesh Eater Courts army. And you're able to pick up the night hunt stuff fairly easily. Um, try and do as many tournaments as I can. It's not um, not always easy having a family, but do quite a few one days in, in the local area. Um, we don't have a big scene up in the northwest, but it's well in Lancashire, but it's it's growing slowly. I'm trying to do a few more tournaments um, going forward because I want to boost my rankings. Uh, basically but, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah just keep going I, I try and play a bit on TTS as well on Tabletop Simulator so I've done a few tournaments on there which is really good um, it's just good because you get to play people outside your country that I would never meet normally um, so I've played some of the people fly from the Twitch chat um, which is quite good yeah Okay, yeah, I, I mean, that's a really good point. Yeah, TT, I think TTS and, and the whole lockdown thing, I feel like brought the international community slightly closer yeah. together, or at least yeah. uh, the, the the more playing element of the communities. If, you know, if we look at the most recent Goonhammer article where we kind of uh, saw that there's like one-sixth yeah. of one-sixth of one-sixth of people might even play, you know, 13, what is it, 1,300 uh, people out of potentially 5 million people actively involved in 40K. It's, it's really on the thin end of the wedge when it comes to, yeah. uh, to players. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that's really interesting to, to be able to meet that very small select group of people from each country. Um, and, and, and I enjoyed that experience as well. All right, so jumping in just for everyone at home just to give the backstory for the stats because actually that's pretty important as well. The interesting thing stats actually existed before the 40K mm-hmm. stats ever existed. Uh, done by Peter and the Falcon crew. Most people don't know that. Um, but the interesting my stats was something that we did pre the kind of 40k stats center and uh, and stuff like that, uh, done by LLV over in Canada. So a big shout out to him uh, for, for kicking us off, really. And that was just because he was, uh, like, and he is still to this day, uh, he's just, he doesn't really suffer fools gladly, uh, is probably the easiest way to describe it. And people would be like, this isn't that good. And he'd be like... 75% win rate is pretty good to me. Um, I, it, was, <laughs> it, was a, it was really interesting uh, to uh, to see that. And then and then obviously, because I was already doing like event coverage anyway, uh, we kind of got to like have that conversation very early on. Uh, obviously, it's grown and evolved pretty massively from there, which is where we're going to talk about. Uh, but in those early years, and, and something maybe uh, that's also a surprise is, well, me and Ziggy have talked about this a little bit as well. Uh, Rob, I think you at least were aware of it back in the day as well when, when we did it, there was a lot of initial pushback from yeah. the the community very early about, and I mean, there still is, but there was a lot of uh, pushback back in the day, uh, pretty aggressive, like pretty aggressive, which was 
honestly bewildering. Maybe in a post-truth, post-COVID world, it's not quite so surprising. People aren't really that bothered about actual facts and science and numbers. Uh, like, like maybe like, if, if this would have happened now, I'd be like, oh, it makes loads of sense. People are, people are pretty dumb. Uh, but at the time, it was, uh, it was very combative. So whenever we put the information out, people would be like, well, that can't be true. There's no way that that's the, like, and it would just be numbers. Like yes. which is which is the wildest bit, yeah. and then and then the element beyond that would be my interpretation of the numbers. You know, and from that we spawned a lot of different ideas. The production matter was one of those things that we talked about a lot. You know, the time lag from book release to, to stuff we see on the tabletop. So production matter was something that we talked about a lot. Uh, and then I always found the meta stuff really really interesting as well. Was Rob? I'll ask you first. Was there a time you first became aware of any of the stats that we did on the Age of Sigmar stuff? Um, well, I've, I've watched your show for a, a while. Um, I remember LV talking about it. And I remember being on a Facebook book group once and somebody was saying something about, I can't remember what it was. And then I, I, I linked them to your stats and I remember them saying, oh, well, I don't think that. And you're like, well, that's fine. But here are 1,000, 10,000 games that we support the information. And some people just refuse to like follow whatever you're going to say, even though you, you give them the stats for it. Um so it's it can be tricky at some points, but um, it's just yeah I don't know I think with the stats they've been going a long time now because you have been doing them for four years something like that yeah pretty so, much yeah yeah so yeah they and 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 where they're at now is was always the dream right like it started out with oh that's cool we can get that information and then it would just be another question another question which i'm sure ziggy mm. when he starts talking about setting it all up is going to be like oh boy <laughs> i hate that part uh ziggy did you like were you ever aware of the stats before like your involvement no 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 so i think i didn't even i don't think i've actually ever seen the original stuff you did anyway okay so i think i got involved with it because i was helping you do some of the tsn um super series visuals and information about army lists and and players mm -hmm. and kind of when i started doing that you started talking a little bit about the stats and how the struggles you'd gone through um so it was and to be honest like my engagement with tournaments um throughout my entire kind of time doing any of the kind of hobby stuff has been very minimal so i've done a couple of warhammer um like gw tournaments a couple of individual tournaments but never kind of like consistently played them that's 40k and and i think one aos or so but so never really kind of been big into it so it was very much more from my point of view uh kind of a technical challenge of what could we do then combined with the fact that you'd spent four years banging your head against a brick wall trying to kind of get things going uh so i thought i'd just give it a go and see where we could get with and that kind of combined pretty nice and pretty well with some of the stuff I'd be doing at work. So I'd kind of learned some new skills. I thought I could apply them to this and you kind of see where we get to. Yeah, I mean, and by banging my head against the wall, like just to be clear to everyone at home, I'm not that smart. Uh, so uh, when, uh, when, uh, when, when we're talking about things, all of this seems and is impossible to, to someone like me. Uh, so, you know, like during, over that four year period, I'd be like, someone else has to do this because, you know, like very much like when you have any skill sets, right? Like someone's able to yeah. do a thing that you're not able to do. And that's, that's part of that process. But we'll talk more about that um, as we get into it. Cause I think that's really, really, really interesting. Um, Rob, just talking about your, you know, people kind of, a, a, you know, that feedback or that pushback we got initially, yeah. uh, I find that still to this day to be something that's very relevant i'm going to talk more about that in the in the the future but 
the thing uh, to let everyone know that this is just from me uh, is that the reason I think the stats are so, so, so useful is they give an unarguable vantage point into a game system, which is deeply complicated. And like, like my, my, my support for them is pretty strong. Um, and, and so, and that isn't going to go away. And I think they've just got better and better. But Ziggy, I know that you at least like deal with data on a, like a pretty full-time scale. Like before we get into like the minutiae of, of how everything's set up and done, what is like, um, like we always have to, and you always tell me, make sure you say this isn't enough information to like, this isn't a fact. Yeah. Like, do you want to talk about that a bit? So I guess, and it's a pushback you tend to get um with this type of data so we, we we collect a very specific set of results so it's two days it's 2k it's we try to avoid um wherever possible comp just so just we've got the consistency to what we're comparing and we've not got that right every time and there are some pretty big tournaments missing that we're trying to get sorted out but it was keep it as a relatively kind of set amount type of data and then you always run into the issues about the, the mount and everyone will say that it's not enough to look at it. It's not enough to to make calls. What's your significant difference in your margin of error and all those things? And that's all really important, but it's not really critical. You you can see trends. You can see the differences. And I guess to, for me, the importance of this stuff is until you get to thousands and thousands and thousands of data sets per 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 faction and it being relatively stable so changes of books mean you have to reset things you're always going to be working with some type of vagaries but it, it's 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 what it all means you can easily tell when an army is consistently doing better than other ones you can make that distinction now you might not be able to make the distinction between a couple of percent here or there but you, you can see the trend over time i think that's the important conversation is always to go back to we're not saying this is the law and the un, unchallengeable truth. But if you can legitimately argue against it, good on you. But it, it tends to make sense. And that's when you know you're getting stuff that comes through that that's probably right. So it's like, it's no surprise. Like, for example, Sons of Bayhamet were really good at being with. Because you could look at how the game plays and go, yeah, okay, people will struggle. They claim objectives really well. It's hard to put them down. So when you saw the win rate nearly at 60%, it made sense when you saw that lots of people were using them. It also made sense. It was four models. So that kind of stuff, is, it's people shouldn't argue with those. And as long as you talk in the right, in the right generalizations, you avoid a lot of the arguments and the pushbacks and, and that kind of stuff. And I think that's what I've, I've always tried to say to you is let's just make sure we keep with the, the trends and the kind of the things we can clearly see happening and avoid those really like, fringe case elements of getting too detailed because actually that's when you start getting people to question your validity and once you start that conversation it becomes very easy to dismiss everything so I just agree. to avoid that i agree what's interesting now just for everyone to be clear at home ziggy is responsible for kind of like the infrastructure so the the sheets that we use to input we'll talk about that in a minute and then the output that you guys see uh displayed rob is the engine uh, he is the Absolutely. he is the shoveler <laughs> yeah he is just pouring coal and what i think is really interesting because uh, we all have a private chat now where we're talking quite often it's actually one of the places i talk most actually at the, uh, the minute um uh, rob uh rob from your perspective one of the things that's interesting is when the data kind of like goes through 
to, you know, when you've put enough coal in and you've, you pull the lever and it, it chundles out into numbers, do you feel like, because obviously that's like a number, it's a percentage or something at the end of the day, do you feel that there is a little bit more um, to the, you know, the pushback that you get? You know, someone's like, oh, it's only this much of the metal. I think maybe something like Cruel Boys or something. But you're like, look, dude, I've read every list. I've read every player. <laughs> like, I know. Like, do, is there something like more like feeling based that you tend to do by doing all the input? Yeah, so I was thinking about this the other day. I'm not sure, probably is somebody, but I'm not sure there's anybody in the world who's probably read as many lists as I have, um, just because <laughs> of how many I've input. I think it was the last count, it was like three and a half thousand lists. Wow. Um, wow. So, um, but yeah, you, a lot of people, when it was um, Lumreth were on top and everybody was running the same lists, um, and you see the chats and people say, oh, Lumreth, oh, there's lots of varieties, lots of units. And every list was um, prize sorcery, battle regiment, one drop. And you can see it on the data when you were inputting it, that all the lists seem to be pushed in one way. So when people say there's lots of variety, not necessarily. When you look at the list, so many lists, and they're all very similar. Um, yeah, and the numbers um, and the like, and the problem is, is I guess maybe it's not quite as catchy, you know, like what's the win percentage, you know, like, yeah. you know, a T whip or like a first loss, first turn loss rate or something, you know, like, but like, may, and maybe we haven't done good enough job of like actually talking about that. That's mm -hmm. always something I'm really conscious of because you're right, like, you know, like they're so common. Like I ended up having a conversation the other day about just generally one drops seem to have been an issue in all of Age of Sigma. But you know, like you were like, oh god, if I have to read one more battle regimen, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, when I'm inputting lists, you can. I don't even need to look at everything. Or sometimes you just know what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so is you can a lot of it is just you assume that oh it's um angels it's bloodtooth it's pigs it's battle regiment it's one or two drop mm. so how does that tend to how does that mean tend to like is there ever a time where because i do this sometimes with event results is there ever a time where you find that more jarring maybe a particular country or a particular event is there anything where you're like That's, this is again not what i was expecting is that have you ever had one of those days where you've just been chuckling for 20 minutes and doing inputting um i think some 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 countries have interesting ways of writing army lists okay um, <laughs> so like the so um in the u.s i'm probably gonna get hate for this um in the u.s they um when you look at some of the events the lvo was very good to be honest, people who went to LVO did a very good job, but some of the previous events, a lot of them were, oh, here's an army list on the phone, and they've got another phone and taking a picture of that phone <laughs> for the army list. You're like, wow. I think uh, I personally think there's an entire conversation about begging TOs to yeah. standardize, like almost to put in their, and I've seen it in a couple of packs, like, yeah, must be submitted by text from War Scroll Builder. Yeah. And you're like, well, thank you. Just thank you for doing that because you're right. It's like the picture or did, did you see the one that was like on a crump, a picture of a crumpled piece of paper that was handwritten? Yeah. Can you, uh, like, can you, can you explain to me the difficulty that that produces? Like starting at you, Rob, and going to use Like, what does that do? Like how much does that slow us down in what we're trying to achieve? So when I'm looking at an list, I don't look at every detail. I don't look at what artifact you've got or anything like that. It's, What's what faction? What sub faction? 
battalions and how many drops. And I might just have a look, like, have you got tech lists in your list? So something interesting. Mm. So when, and with War Scroll Bill, Tony P's done a really good job of how it's all set out. And it's yeah, really easy absolutely. for everyone to pick out the key bits of information. When it's done on a piece of paper or the early versions of the Age of Sigma app, it's just you have to look at so much more detail to get the bits that you need out of it. You have to read everything and absorb everything to find out which units are in which battalion um, and then work out the number of drops can be because you have to like count them. So like, I don't want to have to count them. No, I, want, absolutely. I want a thing at the bottom that tells me how many drops it is. Yeah. Um, so when I, yeah, so when I'm looking at it, it's just picking out that key bits of information. Okay. Yeah, that makes lots of sense. Uh, Z, does it change up your bit or is it, is it just yeah, an so, input um, time? When we're doing kind of like, so it massively affects Rob doing his bit. Mm-hmm. But like if one of the bits we do is the five no lists, so that's just me taking so if it's text i can literally just copy the text out and put them in the right sections of the of the data input sheet we need and it just runs it all if it's a handwritten one or a photo the easiest way to do that is just to me to open the war scroll builder and rebuild the list yeah and yeah. then click the text and then put it in so you're just adding extra extra hassle but i guess it's it adds hassle to us but it's also a little bit like i sometimes don't understand the um the kind of the mentality just to help the TO. You're submitting a photo or a scrap of paper, and it's like if they want to share the lists to other people at the event and make things easy to look at, it's just it's like kind of getting that standardized approach to things. I guess this is for me as someone who deals with lots of data in my work life and that kind of stuff. I love standard because it makes everything simple. So yeah. the kind of aberrations are where you have to spend time fixing and checking and reworking everything. Um, so as simple as possible, text from an output. And like Rob was right, like the, the, A- the AOS app output mm. is still not as good as War Scroll Builder, which I find really funny considering Games Workshop have stuck War Scroll Builder on their own site, yeah. but can't get the output from their app to match the output that you can get from the website. It's getting better. It's, it is. It is getting better, but it's still just not there. <laughs> I mean, we're seven months in. I don't know much about app development, <laughs> but I assume it doesn't take seven months, right? Like, and I, but anyway, that's that's beside. Yes, the inputting bit seems like the issue. So, uh, so talk me through it, like just so everyone at, uh, at home knows just quickly how the process works, and then we can kind of talk about why some of the elements exist. So, what happens in a weekend? I guess, Rob, we start with you, pretty much. Yes. Yeah, so. Ziggy's done a great spreadsheet um, for the data import, which is what I do. Um, and normally I start after the event because everything's finished then and I can get it done. Um, and the main job is inputting the players' lists, which is why it's so important that they're in an easy read format for me anyway. Um, and with that, I get almost every TO now uses BCP or tabletop TO. Um, and I'm able to get the information almost entirely from those two websites. So I get the players' names, I get the faction, sub-faction, what battalions they use, and um, other information like their ground strategy and the number of drops. So that all goes into a big table, and then I go through and import all the parents for the different rounds. Um, which doesn't take too long now. 
the main um, time is in putting those players' lists. Um, and I can do around an 80-player event. I can do it all in about two hours. Um, so it's really helpful when TOs put what uh, battle plans are using because um, we use that information, which is I find really interesting when you look at the stats um, because you were able to see which armies do better on which ones and you can see the same battle plans being played in so many tournaments, um, especially when I'm inputting them. The number of tournaments that pick First Blood as their first battle plan, I would say it's at least 50% of tournaments do that. Um, and then when I've input all that data, I then send it off to Ziggy and he does all his magic for it, really. Um, but it does take time to input it. So that's why we don't get the stats out as quick as some other people, but ours have more detail in. And I think that's more helpful for more people. Yeah, so like I, that's a that's a, that's a really good point. Like I'd, I maybe and Rob, incredible work. So thank you to you and anyone who's watching this back. Any ever sees Rob, I'm pretty sure Rob should drink for free at uh, every event he ever yeah. goes to. So uh, do buy him as many beers as you can. Uh, the um, the 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 information being um, more useful, I think, is genuinely like a really uh, valid conversation because that's one of the things that initially came up. Having done the stats for a while, uh, one of those things for me because there's there's a there's a really good interesting conversation between about all three of us right so like rob does all of the great work to like make sure we have the information to hand ziggy presenting that information but for me more my element my end of it um is to make sure that that information doesn't just be uh, an excel spreadsheet for the output so the key part i think after rob's done all the inputting of the stats to me uh feels like presentation which obviously you know ziggy that's that's on your end now Unlike many people, I don't really need or I can't handle an Excel spreadsheet. Very much like we talked about War Scroll Builder, I think the way that we present that information is actually pretty key and is kind of the conversation that I've had with Ziggy a lot because ultimately, like, walls and walls of text doesn't do much for me. I, like, I will, as a person, intentionally tune out as soon as I see that, and I think that that's pretty true for everyone. So, uh, you know, any infographics that work makes lots of sense, which is, Ziggy, this is where it comes to the dashboard and, and what you've created. So uh, please tell us about everything that's, everything that's happened there and, and, and what's happened, you know, how you created the dashboard. Well, I think it, it came from that conversation we, we had about, as, as you say, what to present. And you see some stuff that's out there at the moment. Again, this is no criticism of anything that's been there before or is currently out there because I think one of the things that's important is anyone who's out there gathering information about games and presenting it back and trying to, to inform the community uh all power to them because that's the that's one of the most important things is to make sure people are informed if they're going to have conversations or if they're going to talk about things or if they heaven forbid as a company want to make some changes being informed is always always really good um but a lot of it was just text or an excel and it was how do we make that better how do we get it into into some graphics some things people can see but also most more importantly something that didn't require that to be remade every single time because if you can imagine, Rob does all the work to get all the data into it, and I just stick it into another Excel document to make some graphs, that has to be hand done every single time. You want to change anything and everything, and you can't. And setting your, you can do some amazing things with Excel, but it's a lot more difficult, and you've got to set filters and lots of stuff, and it, it just becomes a pain. So we wanted to kind of do something easier, um, and that's why we use uh, Power BI. So... 
Microsoft's kind of cut down version of like Tableau, which is just horrendously expensive. So if anyone does want to give us a thousand pounds a year to use Tableau, we'll happily do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but at the moment, Power BI does the same thing for about a tenth of the cost. So really, really useful tool. And it was just about making sure we got the stuff presented in a way. Uh, and we, I think we went back and forth showing, I, show, I was showing you kind of different form, ways of doing it, kind of, does this screen work or does this one work or is this too busy? And, and kind of, it was an iterative process to get it to a point where you felt kind of as someone who presenting it and someone who didn't want to see lots of text, you'd be happy to see it and get the information you wanted from it. But also from my point of view, I had enough on there to give it some context. So again, the worst thing is having a number completely out of context because it means nothing. Yeah, so one of the one of the fascinating things I think um, is obviously because a lot of the stats. Obviously, we do the weekly show where we talk about the meta. But the thing that became very very quickly relevant to me was when we did the stats. It really informed conversations when we went to do live coverage. So when player A went to play player B, but well, actually, then obviously we have player stats now. But we'll talk more about that later. When you know how do the how do these two factions generally do? So, like, that gives you a good indication of, like, who's the beatdown. Not that it's particularly, like, okay, it's also how do these two factions do on this battle plan is, is you know, the next conversation. Then it's how do both these two players do as, you know, their skill sets. There's there's so many variables always in uh, in Warhammer, but it's a nice narrative hook. For me, as a commentator, it's just a lovely narrative hook. Okay, these gits lose 70% of their first game, or 30, sorry, yeah, 70% of their first games, they're up against this other army that wins 70% of their first games, there's a bit of a titanic duel, how is this going to go down? And it feels at that, at that point like it's a foregone conclusion, so when you do end up with this huge victory for the Gits in that particular matchup, you're like, you, you know, you're cheering from the rafters and, and the crowd goes wild. So that became very quickly relevant to me. So the presentation felt and feels like a very key element of being able to process that out for people um and still still does to this day ultimately which is i guess where the the faction one shot page comes from because i still find that to be very very relevant uh but that yeah so that felt fairly key and then we just you know tom designed a lot of the tsn stuff so we you just copied that so um what what other stuff did we like um push in because the old stats we used to do we used to do win rate, faction percentages. We used to do um, meta representation, which was important. Uh, and then we did, like, I guess we did top uh, five O's, or we kind of did, like, top brackets. And the re- we didn't do top brackets yet, because that's something that's only really happened since Age of Sigma 3. Um, and the reason for that is, as LLV pointed out to me, sometimes you've got a bad win rate, but a great one build. So you end up yeah. with that, like, that one consistent army that does very well. Um, it used to be Hollow Heart in cities where it was like more like 45%, but this one list won several events. Uh, so what other stuff did we add or what did stuff, what stuff did you think was lacking initially, Z, like when we attacked it? Uh, it wasn't so much lacking. It was just different ways of... So one of the... Sorry, I'll go back to the beginning. We, we wanted to to get more data than we had been before. So that's why... And we had uh, loads of conversations about what was too much information, what was the right level, and also, very importantly, from Rob's point of view, um, how long would it take to get? (laughs) Yeah, because originally, a lot of, some of the conversation was, oh, we could, like, record what artifacts people take and what mount traits. I'm like, no. It's just too (laughs) much information. People, it's, 
if people want that information, they can go look for it themselves. Yeah, I agree. Because um, um, we can't give all the information. It's too much. There is well, so much information. It's You haven't got a full-time no. paid job just to st- input stats. So, yeah. No, it's <laughs> Not <right>. yet. <laughs> Not yet. What a nightmare that would be. So, <laughs> it was that kind of balancing act about how far can we push it and what's realistic to do. And then... What can we do with that? So I guess once you so that you talk about that faction one shot page, that's because we've got we know what the battalions people are taking, we know um, the sub faction. So on like BCP and tabletop TO, sometimes you don't get the sub faction, but actually that's really useful because there's pretty big. Even though you don't see the list itself, if you see a, a Seraph on Thunder Lizards list, you kind of guess what's going to be in there, especially at an event. Yeah. Um, it gives you some guidance to what's probably in there. Um, so having that sub-faction was important. So that's one of the reasons why I guess when I'm filling stuff in as well, you, I have to open up lists sometimes because you don't have the sub-faction. So you've definitely got to go and check on that. Um, but having like the drops and sub-factions, the battalions, let's just do that faction focus page where we can put more information about what's going on with that faction. I give a bit more depth, which I think is really important to kind of engage with people and talk about sometimes um we want uh we we did the you wanted to look at the three plus win percentage mm. so the uh, other other data sets had looked at four four plus wins or the five and o's um but you wanted to see kind of how often can a, does a faction get that positive win rate so the, the three wins out of the five and that again it while it lines up quite well to to kind of um, your normal win rate, as in from the ordering, it's quite an interesting thing to look at to see kind of how often is a certain faction getting that positive step. So I think at one point, Suns were in the 70s to 80s almost, mm. getting the three plus wins. And that just means that you, you're putting down your four models at a tournament and you're probably going to go 3 2. What's what I find. Um surprising that people don't understand yeah and that's not a criticism it's just because i've been doing it lots what like so like that people should try to like understand more is as 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 numbers get higher as we get towards those like you put your models down you go 70 80 it it especially when you have high meta representation as you did with sons of behemoth you're talking about all skill levels you're talking about absolutely everyone who has that has got no issues pushing that army forward and doing okay with it. Like, and and the issue for me, and this is something that I maybe don't express enough, is I I think a tournament should be won by someone who's expressed the most skill and tactical acumen on the tabletop. That's what I feel. Like, I feel like the army should be robbed of its teeth in that conversation. Now, I think it's fair to say that generally you end up with the better player with the better list will beat the better player with the worst list or the worst player with the good list. So it does work out, but it does require, like, but where you end up being in a kind of odd spot is when you have the good player with not a good list and it looks like they're not a good player because they haven't taken the good list, but they just prefer pushing the other army around. So, like, the the win rate stuff seemed to me to, like, really help exemplify over win rate how easy an army is to do well with. Yeah, it gave that kind of other the other viewpoint to it. And you mentioned there the kind of the player skill aspect. I think that's an interesting thing to talk about in, in a in a bit because 
there's there's been conversations going on that I've had like on um, DMs on Twitter and that kind of about when people are questioning the stats and they'll throw out like, well, there's so many other factors and player factor plays a bigger part and other things like that. But I think you'll find that most most good players take the top lists. Yeah. So you don't tend to find good player bad list. Would so it be fair? Would it be fair to, to rewrite that sentence as? most well-performing players tend to yes. take Sorry, that, the top yeah. lists. Yeah, because I, mean, I guess that's the biggest problem, right? Is what we're trying to as- assess is good, like, and mm. but what we really mean is a bunch of other stuff, like in lots of different ways. Yeah, because yeah. you're right, the best-performing players, like we could name people, but they pretty much traditionally, like it's no surprise someone like Gavin, who has done quite well with a variety of different lists very recently talking about uh, Gavin from the US or Bill again from the US as an example, um, are people that take these lists and do well with them because they seem to be able to express their skill sets like with variety of different armies, uh, which seems very common. But they're pretty much the aberrations, whereas normally you'll see someone who's a good player in insert brackets, uh, but more a better way we would describe it would be a, a well-performing player a performing player will always take great lists. I think that feels fair to say. I don't know what you think. Mostly, that's what I tend to tend to, to feel from the, the data. I don't know what when you're putting in all the lists, Rob. You kind of see, you'll see well, more of the lists than I do because you've done all the hard work. I just then get to play with the numbers afterwards. Yes. But... You can see it at, um, with the bloodshed list um, that a lot of the best performing players have gravitated towards stormcast dragons, fulminators, long strikes in. Or in living cities with the same, hmm. uh, or or they're trying to take a list to counter that, yeah, which will be the fourteen or however Beast of Nurgle seems to be. Um, so it's it seems to be a bit of an arms race who can find that best list first and take it to win an event. Um, so I think it is a best perfor- the best performing players take the best performing lists. Yeah. I think every time. Yeah. So there I think are that... some players, there are some players that do stick with a faction and do well with it. Um, like is it Mike Stewart? Mm-hmm. Stewart with Seraphon. With Seraphon, yeah, and he does really well with that. So yeah. hopefully, we'll see more players like that because I think it is. I think players sticking with a faction. I think you can get good with a faction. I I've been playing Soulblight since they came out, pretty much, and I would say I'm an okay player. I'm not a good player. Um, <laughs> Me too, buddy. Yeah, I, 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 but I would say like I've been I've played twelve games with the exact same list now, and I know how it works. Yeah, um, I know if six um, Gorgrunters charge my skeletons, they won't kill them. Um, and you learn from those experience. So I think if some of these top foreign players were able to stick with a list. They will get better at it rather than jumping onto the new hotness. Yeah, I mean, there's probably something like dynamic, like in the the mindset of these players as well, yeah. like uh, from all around the world, right? There's quite a few dynamic players that jump around between. Uh, like, I'm, yeah. I'm still always terrified of whatever Philip Cartier is about to grind out next <laughs> as a list, uh, because that's definitely gonna like it's gonna be a, a horror show uh, to play against, in my personal opinion. Uh, so that's Philip's one. Pictures of his new army up on. Twitter. What's he running so, at the minute? I think he's painting some Idenet, so... Oh, dear. We're all That'll be trouble. fun for the players, won't it? <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> so uh yeah there's uh i i find that to be uh really interesting um uh ziggy what else did you, have you added in uh or... i think the the one that i kind of i really wanted to look at was um armies playing into tears so i think you mentioned huge, it before it's kind huge. of like we and, and and you yourself and and Vince and other people always talk about the kind of fat middle and what's a good acceptable win rate, what's too much. Created by Owen Jackson, on... by the way. Just want to yeah, say his, yeah, yeah. his his name his nameology. <laughs> and um, it kind of anything over fifty five is probably troublesome. Anything below forty five probably needs a bit of help. And we're looking for that a nice middle section. So I thought, what would it look like if you actually just split those armies out? And then looked at the, the faction win rate into those different groups to understand who's doing well into the top, the middle, and the, the bottom tier. Who's who's beating up the middle table? Who's just like completely wrecking anyone? Who's not taking a top tier list with them? And actually, that itself brought out quite an interesting um, kind of conversation. And you could see some really, really f- like disturbing points of view uh, where you had like an army that might be sitting middle of the road for its win rate just stomping all over the kind of the bottom tier tables so that any of those bottom tier armies it was getting 60 70 80 percent win rates and it was just horrendous um but then it wouldn't do well against the top because it, it didn't have the prerequisite kind of tools to maybe go up against the dps check or the the, the, the handle the the kind of burst damage output and it, it suddenly gave different context to how that list was performing at events and what people were doing with them yeah, I I never looked at data that way, and and like you say, like it created like such incredible, you know, these are the first prints being this high skill cap army that's super difficult to do, and it turns out that it's just really bullying kids in the bottom tier. They just, <laughs> just get to beast of chaos players like, what the hell, man? This is so horrible. Like, <laughs> uh, or Ideneth Deepkin. I found that was uh, fascinating. Just you talked about the definition of the uh, the fat middle from home, so between a forty five and fifty five percent win rate. Anecdotally, yeah. uh, I decided in agency more three no one knows this yet i decided just to just to change the numbers so it used to be 40 to 60 so 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 actual games actual game games like like a, an online game or something generally that tends to be the bracket 45 to 55 although actually 55 in some sports slash games is considered to be hugely problematic and and it's even tighter but i used to just justify it, it used to be like 40 to 60 i'm like oh that's games workshop well we'd like it to be 45 to 55 but now that i've um now that i've just kind of like just been repeating that process all the time it's been fairly accepted that that 10 percent is the line so now because we have in the past had many armies in the 70 percent win rate bracket yeah. So yeah. now, when people get towards sixty percent, people are like, "That's an issue." Like, and that's good because we. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but that feels good to me. I think it's good to form to kind of get people talking in the same sense, and I think the the more balance. I don't have the more balance, the better. And I don't have any issue with a game system where you got a skill expression as one thing that helps helps you kind of win, but you also have some degree of soft counters. And like good matchup, bad matchup, because it has to. When you got twenty five to twenty eight factions, depending if you split out war clans or if you count uh, Legion of the First Prince separate thing as well, that's a lot of armies to try to to balance up to everyone having a fair shot against everyone else. So soft counters are, are fine in a game system. A, a slightly better and a slightly worse performing army is fine. It's those outliers you shouldn't ever accept. So getting up to sixty is a bit problematic. 
heaven help the Gits and Beasts players sitting down in the thirties. That's just that's just pain, pain for them. But then they and then, but the thing is they love it. They keep pushing the Rose armies around, fighting uphill with their thirty five percent win rates against your sixty percent win rate. Um, Lumineth and that kind of stuff but they still go, they still enjoy themselves to a degree so that's good to see, those are kind of players who love their faction and will play them no matter what um, but it shouldn't be the case they shouldn't be that far off the pace, no. so it's good to have that barometer that people can agree agree on and kind of to measure things against Yeah, Rob, what are your thoughts about the uh, the tiers? Um, I think they're really good, I think it makes it much the conversation much easier. This army is, in a, is a top tier army. This army is a bottom tier army. I think, for me, I think the bottom tier armies are, are more of an issue. Is why are they always yeah. in the bottom tier and have been fit so long with no help? When we get the updates from GW, why aren't Gits just getting twenty points taken off everything? Because <laughs> um, why doesn't that might help them? Um, mm-hmm. So some some tournaments have tried to support the bottom tier factions by giving them extra points. Mm. And it made no difference. So maybe points aren't the answer. Maybe they just need a new book and new rules to give them something. New actual sub-factions for Gits will help, I think. So Yeah, um, I mean like when it's like when it's thirty percent, I reckon you can just take twenty five percent off the whole set of miniatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then you could just be like, let's see how that goes. Like, because yeah, heaven yeah. for Fen, they get to a 55% win rate. Like, what will people say? I can't <laughs> believe you did that. They've got 55. You're like, well, there's still loads more higher. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. Um, when, when there was rumors of that Beast of Chaos book and the, all the Beast players were, fingers crossed for a C-tier book. Just off the bottom. Just That yeah. would be great. Just kind of... Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the, the tier thing is really interesting because and, and Rob the point you just raised because for me we often talk about the the, the 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 boogeymen I guess or the best performers in lots of different ways but like it becomes so relevant when you understand the poor performers how poor they are like their underrepresentation and also their poor performance and why I personally feel so like let down by things like the winter faq or any points updates if you got any thought like corn i keep making a joke out of it but i'm still obsessed with those skull reapers going down 10 points or five or whatever yeah. it was i'm obsessed yeah. you just don't see them do you you don't see any corn armies on the battlefield mm. and the people who are is because they love the army yes um and you see when the beast of chaos got their white dwarf well leaked white dwarf updates all the players, everyone came out of the woodwork, long-time Beast of player, Chaos player. People loved the models, loved the range. They just want to feel like they're playing the game when, they have, when they're at the table. Yeah. Um, because at the moment, they just feel like they are not. When they, you, If you put a Beast of Chaos player against a um, Iron Jaws player or um, Dragons, what, what they meant to do, they can try, but it's going to be very, very tough. And people want to play those armies, and they just, but they want to feel like they can, could win a game. Mm. And when you see the like a few beast players going four and one, and Gitz players going three and two, then that's great, good for them. But that sh- should be pushed more mm. by GW. I mean, they should be looking at these stats as well. And I think that's an important point around the whole why do the stats in the first place? So yeah. yes, this is a talking point. For, for you and your and your show and it's 
it's nice to kind of know that we we've gotten something out there and feel a bit of pride around that but in the end like almost any game that has development in it and updates and that kind of stuff looking at stats lets you do things that have an impact mm-hmm. and and understanding where things sit allows you to make the, the right decisions and more importantly i think if you look at some games online or computer games or other things when changes are made the company usually says why mm-hmm. so we've seen x being too difficult we're doing y to do it so going back to your 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 corn why have they gone down 10 points no one knows so you'd, you'd hope there to be a thing we're changing these points because of x mm. and we think it will achieve y and this is important because this is what this the data whoever's data it is this is what the data is showing us and we want to correct that it allows you to have those conversations um and it may and it also it allows those conversations to make sense to the players so they can understand what you're doing and that actually by itself avoids a lot of the pushback or the jokes or the memes because it looks like you've had a thought through process to make those make those decisions and i think stats can help that massively well let's talk about like a statement that i'd like to make uh and see what you two think about this i think stats are more relevant to the casual community than they are to the competitive community and i'll 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 be like and touching off kind of the back of the goonhammer i'll qualify the statement and then see what you both think you don't have to agree obviously um the uh the no matter how much money i pay you which is zero <laughs> uh the, <laughs> the um uh the reason is is because in my mind the competitive community effectively playtests the game right like yeah. the competitive community is really hammering out those reps on a like live level so they can look at gits for you two casual players who play at the local store who've never painted their minis but they push some great dudes around and they have a great time and they go oh why do you like your dragons are so cool man oh thanks thanks like your your squigs are really cool like oh yeah thanks but your dragons keep killing my squigs i don't know why like and then they hear all the horror shows on you know twitter or facebook like dragons are op dragons too good blah 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 and all this other stuff the dragons guy feels bad because he's like oh, oh, like i own this thing that's maybe too good like but i think the thing looks great which is a very casual mindset to have like like and then you know the other guys like oh, i feel bad because you keep killing me with your like really good stuff so like the compet but the competitive players it feels to me like you just said the corn players will run around with corn all day regardless of the numbers as will the gits players or all the beast of chaos players and they do just want an option i think there's more of those players out there like i'm a chaos dwarf main if ever they release chaos dwarfs again that's my main army i'm a main chaos dwarf player which is i guess why i can't really settle at the moment um you know but like i think everyone has a main army but like it's, they're not going to play at a tournament if it's rubbish so that's kind of my statement rob start with you what, what are your thoughts on that like yeah because i i love my flashier courts but i think in aos3 because of how their command ability works and they live and die by their command abilities they just really struggle at the moment um, same with OBR, and so I just feel like if just small tweaks, that's all people are asking for. And with the casuals, is they still want to a casual player is still very competitive with their friends. They still want to beat their friends. It's a game. Um, it's a game. You, yeah. Um, people. Yeah. People say, "Oh, I, I don't, I'm not playing to win." I'm like, "Yeah, you are. Of course you are. That's why you're playing." Um, but having people, like you say, the competitive players play test the game, I'm sure 
the playtesters do as good as they can because they don't want to they don't want to do a bad job, but no, they can no, only do no. so much. There's there's only so many of them, and they can only play so many games. I'm not sure how many games we've got in the stats now, but that's a lot of games. And about nine over nine thousand full matches, so you've got over eighteen thousand faction results. Yeah, exactly. And when the playtesters are playtesting, how many games are they playing with the new army versus Seraphon hmm. or Sylvaneth? Uh, it's how many games can they actually play? What's important about that, though, is the competitive players are taking that book to the extreme mm. and testing it. They're not just doing, here's one three-man unit of something. How does that do? It's actually, if I push it to the to the edge, is it broken? We're also not so actually, much. We're also on not much of a time delay, right? Like you could change. You could have changed gits at, at winter, for instance, and made them twenty percent cheaper, twenty five percent cheaper, forty percent cheaper, whatever it would be. <laughs> like um, you know, you could have made very s extreme sweeps, and you'd have been like, "Cool, in six months' time, you guys are going to play test that." And then you know, let's say they're not going to put a gits book out for two years. That gives you an hour, like a year and a half of that being more relevant than absolutely irrelevant at the moment like you know the same way like you know when when whenever the next balance update comes around if they don't take a look at um uh like you know i guess i guess long strikes and formulators and, and, and elements like that if they don't take a little look at that and then think okay we're just going to put you up a bit we're going to drop this down maybe we'll change this commandability then you think you really aren't really just focusing on what's occurring like and it feels odd especially when like uh, I don't think there's a lot of casual players. Like, listen, I think long track models are, are fine. I think formulators are better, and I think dragons are even better than that. So I can completely understand why a casual guy has got, you know, eight, nine dragons, and maybe he's got some formulators. But I could also understand why they have paladors because they look pretty cool, like yeah. and, and hunters. But you don't really see them see play because they don't fit into that kind of. You don't see them like. But what that mean? I don't know if that means paladors are terrible or paladors are paladors are fine. I haven't really work that out yet if that makes sense because they're not in the data because this feels like the most relevant data set so therefore like you could glean lots of information not only on make stuff not as good but make stuff better and that would really help those casual players out because they'd be like oh my skinks my squeaks killed this dragon how cool is that like maybe they're meant to like it just, if that makes sense I f it feels like it should be more relevant to the casual community than it is is what i'm is how i feel yeah because nobody wants to get a stump do they no. Um, no. 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 No matter no matter how much you might laugh about it with your friends, you still feel yeah. you still feel a bit a bit aggrieved when you spend four or five hundred pounds on an army, taking it down to your mate's house, spent and have spent some time chatting, getting like having a bit of food, putting your army out on a table, and then just get walloped. Well it's a yeah. weird it's a weird <laughs> setup versus poker. Where you go over to your mate's house and you'd be like, can't wait to take 20 quid off you. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you don't walk out and say, I'm really sorry as you're sweeping the money. Like, oh, I'm so, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Whereas, Make sure you come back next time. Let's just. <laughs> yeah. Whereas you put your 15 bow snakes on and you just shoot the more crushers to death. You're like, oh, I'm sorry about that. Should, was... we, should we just reset? It's reset? not my fault. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not my but fault. It's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting conversation. You know, you asked about, is it more important for casuals or for, for competitive players? Mm. I think it's equally important. It's important for the competitive players because invariably they want to win. So they kind of look for what's good. Can we change it to and, tournament players to non-tournament yeah, players? Yeah, okay, yeah. Thank absolutely. You. Fine. 
tournament and non-tournament. Um, they want to win. They want to see what's out there. That's good. And they want to kind of get a feel for it. Um, and then for your non-tournament players playing at home, playing at your local shop and that kind of stuff, it's a lot of money. We have to always remember this is, a, this is an expensive hobby just from the money side, let alone from the painting and time side. Mm. And a game takes three hours. And some people have only got three hours a, a week with their friends to do something like this. Mm. And what you don't want them to do is having to pick to something, especially the way sometimes GW sold these things. Pick what you like. What do you like the look of? Go and buy that army. Because, you know, that's important. You like the look of it, which it is. And then you go with your play with your friends and you've happened to have picked up a 30% army. Your friend happens to have picked up a 60% army. And your three hours is going to be you sitting there and watching your army just die. And some people, that's fine. They'll just have a laugh, have a beer and that. But it's not fun all the time. And because you'll know that next week, the same thing will happen. And after that, the same thing will happen. So who, who changes armies? Does the good army have to go and get another army instead? Or does the bad army have to go and get another army? But either way, that matchup doesn't happen. And some people only have only got one army. I mean, that's expensive, right? Like and jumping expensive. between the two. So it's, it's about understanding the game well enough so that the non-tournament players can enjoy themselves mm. and actually not feel like they're getting either they're either stomping or being stomped we should be like you would hope a key factor for the games company themselves to like you know that like that would be <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be uh I, I do wonder about both of yours like because rob this is like you know first time you've been like deeply involved in the stats did you did you going into the winter faq um you know which is the balance update it's the it's the bi biannual balance update did you we you like very conscious of what you thought and what did you think were issues and non-issues like going into it and then you know like how do you feel about the response from that um so going into it just trying to remember from the stats lumineth seemed to be on top uh with the mega gargants and Iron Jaws coming up, and Seraphon. And after the FAQ, it seems like Lumineth have dropped off because the number of people playing them has dropped off as well. Mm. I think that's not necessarily to do with the points increase on the Sentinels. I think it's more to do with the Unleashed Hell changes more than anything. Mm. Um, but I think it's people might have perceived it as worse than it actually is and they've jumped onto something else that's um they perceive as better um i think some of the changes that the points changes they did were irrelevant um not for the top armies but for the bottom armies they just it just doesn't give them anything um if you're going to change 10 points on a unit that's never taken well great it's still never going to be taken um <laughs> But I think the main difference that we've seen pre the FAQ and post the FAQ is the production meta more than anything. Mm -hmm. I think it's over Christmas, and I don't I can't remember exactly when Dragons came out, when the models came out. Was it November or yeah. beginning of December? November, I think. You can definitely see the change um, those six or seven weeks from those dragons being released to people buying them, building them, painting them, and then going to a tournament with them, 
because after Christmas, they are everywhere. And I think I, oh, I used to run Nagash and I still miss Nagash. I don't think he was as, didn't need any changes. Um, but some of the changes they do make just seem quite strange to me um, looking at the stats because they do seem to, I think it was every army got three units, got the points changes. Yeah. But why, why three? Who, who decided that? Was it because it fit on a piece of paper good nicely? Um, who knows? <laughs> you know I mean? Now, so, you cannot, you, trust me, you cannot overestimate the importance of making sure something fits on a page properly. I mean, that's kind of true. Times, How big is this PDF going to be? Drop, I've had to drop yeah. a about to drop a graph or shift something just to try to make it fit <laughs> without like completely breaking yeah. on, on these dashboards is unbelievable. So, yeah. so overall, the FAQ didn't change anything. It changed people's perception of things, but I don't think it changed things. Okay, that's in, that's interesting. And then, how does that make you feel having been involved in the process of generating what I think is um, an incredible body of information? I think it's, I think it's disappointing because. It either means that they're not looking at the information or they don't care. Okay. Um, because if they did look at the information and they did care about some of these bottom armies, they could give them something to bring them up. And they might say that's the White Dwarf updates. Well, sure. But the Soulblight White Dwarf update was pretty rubbish. It did nothing. The OBR one did nothing. The Suns and um, Seraphon one gave them a bit of a boost. Mm. Sure, the Beast Case one gave them a bit of a boost, but is that enough to see their win rate go up by 10%? Probably not. It's also not the time when you're doing it, right? Like you're doing like the the the, the meta balance, if you will, or like the army balancing the data slate. I don't think it's called the balance data slate for Age Zoom, I think it's called the war scroll or data scroll. Yes. I can't remember. Um, like it isn't that, but like battle scroll, I think it is. Thank you, battle it. scroll. Yeah, it's called that. The um, you know, that feels like it's the right time, or it feels like the right time to us. Ziggy, what about you? Like going into the winter FAQ, and then like, I know we've got more questions <laughs> to ask about what's contained inside the stats. But no, that's fine. That's fine. I, 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 I would like your take because you've you've been you know like because there's some really good stuff in in the stats to to give you really good kind of like talking points about each army. So I do wonder like how you felt about it pre and post. So, I think my expectations have been set mm. on what's going to happen. So, again, it, it, see, it depends. Games Workshop are talking the talk that makes you feel that they're trying to approach this more to a degree, like you do a computer game that needs balancing. So, they're talking about more frequent balance updates and points changes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, that's great, but when a computer games company does that, they do a lot of work into the, in, into it. So I currently feel that when they when Games Workshop are talking about balance update, they might take a a theme where they'll change some rules. So this theme was we're going to change some god character rules. So they did that as the rule changes, and then the points were tweaks, and the point tweaks were based off of stuff, whatever it was. But that to me isn't an actual balancing process for a game. A balancing process would mean that if you're going to do it every six months, you start balancing three months out and you do a lot of work. You might end up with only a page of output and they may have done a lot of work. We don't know the back, back, back behind it, but you do a lot of work and you actually change 
physical things with armies. So you might give a unit A some some reach. You might reduce the cost of unit B. You might move the movement things. But that's actually making significant changes to War Scrolls across the board. I currently, and again, I don't want to be too harsh on them because I leave that to you, Rob, uh, to be harsh on GW. Okay. Um, but it kind of feels like they've decided that they'll stick to points changes only with a themed change to a few War Scrolls. So, for example, God creatures this time around. But everything else, which is they call balancing, will just be points. Mm. Whereas even if you... So what you talk about, what Vince has done some, some survey work on before about does it need points or War Scroll changes across all the different factions? This was in last, last edition, but it was still relevant. It's not always a points thing. There has to be sometimes changes to a war scroll, changes to an ability specific to that army, but how it functions and how its synergies match up. That's a lot of work to get right. But you don't have to get it 100% right, but even to attempt it is a lot of work. And you have to have the right type of update mechanisms in place. All these things have to be behind the scenes to allow a company to do that. I just don't think Games Workshop are there. So they'll just focus on points changes and themed war scroll change. And that will be the update. So I'll, if I'm wrong, if the next Battle Scroll update is different, brilliant. But I get the feeling, having seen the 40k one that came out with one change, mm. it'll be points and maybe a themes change. And that'll be it. So to me, it's, it's not an actual balancing process. It's a tweaking process. Okay. So you're never going to see an army jump from 30% to 45% because you're not physically making enough changes to how the army's operating in the meta, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. I don't. I, I and I don't disagree with you. I just. Uh, I like. Uh, and I. And my my expectations. I probably was so disappointed by winter because you guys feed me such good data all the time. <laughs> like I'm so I'm yeah. so conscious of stuff. Like you know, we talk in our chats. You're like Rob. Look at this thing. This guy did this with this thing. I'm like, actually, look how. Look at the. You know, we were very conscious of that kind of upward trend of Thunder Lizard. For, you know for for yep. month on month it kept just going up and up we were like okay smart like i hadn't really cottoned onto it but smart players like the, the you know and it's a good 40k conversation at the minute everyone's like chaos space marines give them two wounds you're like well actually everything's damaged too so like it'll do nothing for you <laughs> like like you'll be in the same boat but you'll just you won't know what's going on uh with with age of sigma like you know there was that kind of damage to reduce it to damage one conversation which was really really relevant and i was like oh, actually this is really cool so i just got fed all this really fascinating information and i think i went into it a bit too like a bit too uh, a bit too keen um and so i blame you too uh, drastically for that uh, <laughs> ultimately, the, um... it's like to rob's point about are they are they not caring or not yeah. reading it mm. i actually think that the third option is do they just not have a process in place to benefit from it that's a, that's, that's a man who deals with a lot of processes in his life. I it can is, tell yeah, that straight off the absolutely, bat. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but if they haven't got the ability to use it, then, then they'll just do what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's just talk about some of the other like pages that exist on the stats page. And uh, Rob, do you have, do you have a favorite out of all of the pages uh, um, you like I to visit? Thought, well, in our chat, we, it's like, we'll have a conversation and we'll mention something to us. Oh, I'll make two more pages on that. So it's quite long now. <laughs> I remember exactly how many there are. Hey, we're on um, 18 now. There's 18. 18, I think. No, maybe exclude the first two because they're just a, a front page and an intro. So well, 16. My, my, my favorite is the one with the graphs on, the like line graphs. 
so you can see how their My win rates too. have changed yeah. over the few, like few months. Because you can see the impact that newer armies are having. So when Angels came out, you could see those, um, the new book came out, you could see how they were ticking upwards. And it also resulted in the Sons of Behemoth going down as well. Mm. Like, yeah. Obviously, you could see the relationship there. Um, I really like that. You can see how the um, how long it takes for, it's not an instant thing. When a new book comes out, it's not an instant thing that this army will now win all these events. Mm. It takes time for people to collect that army and to go to a tournament and use their experience to do well. Um, some of the better players can do that quicker than others. Um, or or some, some of them know it ahead of time. Like There's that as <laughs> yeah. well. But, yeah. but, but, but what I find interesting now, if you look at the um, bottom tier armies, their meta percentage doesn't change. They are constantly at whatever it is, four percent, and it'll stay at four percent. It has been for the past six months. Mm. So it's it's the same people playing those armies month in, month out. Mm. Whereas you look at the new Stormcast and you see how much <laughs> they've just gone to the moon. Mm. Um, and you can see how people have like instantly just jumped on those armies because mm. like I said it's it's eleven models. It's easy. <laughs> and it's it's designed for that. It's designed so 11 dragons going in an arm list and that's how it works mm. yeah 100%. And it's, it's, it's interesting about the time lag so stormcast and and uh iron jaws mm. released the same time new book mm. iron jaws had the instant uptick yeah in both usage and performance really really well mm. and the stormcast didn't so it, it's taking even at the faq drop they still weren't taking up it is that kind of they had christmas everyone did some painting and then come January, uh, meta reps been obscene. Uh, proportion of four four plus win rates has been obscene, and they've just been rocking it for, for fifteen events that we've covered. They've been the standout stars. Mm. Um, and but it's but they released at the same time as Iron Jaws, and Iron Jaws went very very quickly up and then just stayed very steady, at about that kind of 52 percent win rate. Yeah. yeah so even it's... that, it's just a different different thing, isn't it? Yeah, and you can see how the wind traffic queue has changed some things. Like, one thing I look at is I look at the Soulblight results, and you can see them come down after the wind traffic queue with the changes to Nagash. And I think he was propping the army up a little bit. I mean, they're still okay, but they're only mid, mid tables now. Whereas before, you had they had the option of using the gash and some of the better players were using him, but now yeah. none of the better players are using him. I mean, Owen's trying and we also <laughs> that went on Twitter. So, but it's ch small changes. They don't change the army. They change the perception of the army more than anything, I feel. And that's what impacts it more than anything. But those are the tweaks at the top end. And I think when you're talking at the very yeah. top, you're talking at the very top. If you do something now, the points, I don't think the points make that much of a difference because if you look yeah. through all the army lists, how many of those hit 2,000 points? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very they, few. They sit at about 90, nine, about, about 50 points shy, between 30 to 50 points shy, most lists sit. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's space in there for a points increase. Mm. It's yeah. already, the, the, yeah. whereas, whereas um, the previous editions of Age of Sigmar, you generally hit 2,000. 
yeah. most lists hit that 2,000 point. A, a 10 to 15 point change on, on a unit that you took twice meant that you had to do, you had to find 30 points, mm. which meant that you had to lose a unit and you had to swap out for something else. You had to make a physical change. Now you don't actually need to fundamentally shift the core build of that list. Mm. You might drop a battle line and have a little slightly shitter battle line and yeah. keep, what, keep what's important. So, so there's, I don't know why this edition that's happened, but I've seen so much more space in lists for a, for a 10 or 15 point increase to be absorbed. I think yeah, at one point, cool. I think at one point you had the opportunity cost of an endless spell. Um, yeah. But their popularity has dropped off. No, gone, yeah. Well, I mean, so that extra, not life form portal. <laughs> Which I, I don't think they expected when they did the changes to endless spells so that you can, you, you the person who casts them can move them in both hero phases. Mm. I think they just thought everyone will take them all the time because they're so much better now. But nobody takes them no. at all. No. And, and it, it is that it is that points missing, isn't it? Yeah. And that's giving them spaces to absorb point cost changes. Whereas the removing abilities from god from gods got the gash out of armies, got yeah. got Archeon out of armies, mm. and that that actually impacted the top end of the, of, of, the, of the of the meta. Yeah, like Zeech has vanished. There's no zine changes, Oh, Zinch right? is gone. It's gone. But they got oh, they got smacked. And I don't know whether 250 was the final breaking point on no, that's a perception. In, in a Zinch list. That's a perception. 250 is still great, in my opinion. Like, I yeah. think it's very much like the Lumineth conversation. Thanks to Mathmalo for disproving that quite nicely yeah. for us. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like uh, or Thomas. Did Thomas Did Thomas over in the US actually get his 5-0 post the points uptick? He did. He got a bit, he, but he took... He took Stormcast, I think, to his win. Did he? Yeah, he didn't take his win with um, Daughters. He oh, took it heartbreak. Either cities, either cities or Stormcast he took his 5-0 with. Heartbreak. Thomas Quarles, so it, come it, on. It wasn't, it wasn't his, daughters, um, his daughters getting the 5-0. The Always the bridesmaid, then he moved country. <laughs> and then <laughs> became the bride. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, well, okay, so you talked about... I, I'm with you, Rob. I, one of my favourite yeah. pages is the, uh, the up and the, uh, the, the overtime kind of correlation. Especially yeah. when you can... Especially when we looked at the Seraphon up. And then, you know, Iron Jaws introduction, and then, you know, Seraphon just went up at that point. You were like, what? Because obviously the Thunder Lizard played so well into that, and the meta representation was so yeah. good at that time. So I think that was that seemed really relevant to me. I still like the one-shot pages. I really like mm -hmm. uh, talking about those sub-factions. You know, yeah. um, like, this is a bit of a game design point. That, like, I'm, I'm not certain on still, but I've always liked it when, um, like, I... Truthfully, like you know, over the next few months, we're going to read a lot of Hammers of Sigmar armies uh, as army lists. We're going to we're going to read a lot of those, a lot of living city lists. Um, so it's interesting to look at how those sub factions are doing generally. You know, the difference. I think Daughters of Cain feels like one of those ones where it's most interesting. A lot of people are always like, I really like Calibron for the teleports, and then you actually look, and generally Hagnar does a slight bit better. Maybe not enough that actually, but it's definitely not. It's definitely not Calibron is 10 times better as it's sometimes discussed than Hagnar because yeah. they're, they're very, they're very relevant to each other. Um, uh, and it's definitely not like, yeah, it's definitely not kicking his ass. So I love that page. I love the sub faction page because I think it would be nice to see them be more equal. And if you could understand like, or have one be more relevant, you know, over a few months and one maybe after because they do something different. Um, I think that's one of those really interesting pages for me because that really points to points out that armies can be played very differently, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I, and it, that's fun to see. 
Yeah, yeah. So the Seraphon are a good example of that because the sub-faction determines how you play the army. Yes. Because Thunder Lizards plays completely different to uh, Fang Sotet, which plays completely different to Dracothian's Tail, mm. and then there's the other one that nobody ever takes. Mm. Um, so, and they all have different strengths. So, like, you could have your teleporting Salamanders or your Stegadons or your teleporting um, Skinks. So, yeah, the sub-faction for some armies does play a big impact, but then for others, like the Stormcast, I don't think the sub-faction in Stormcast pays a big part. That's why you see the Dragons list and Fulminators taking a wide variety of different lists. Because mm. they're all just trying to get that small extra buff from somewhere. Yeah, well, yeah, I think uh, I, I think that that seems interesting to me. Ziggy, have you got a favorite page that you like most? I actually like the um, the faction matchup page when these when so when we've got ninety six, ninety three, ninety six tournaments in there now. Mm. You're actually able to start seeing on especially on some of the more um, like taken factions, the faction versus faction matchups. And kind of where they're doing well, where they're not doing well, and you can start kind of having conversations about why that might be, and it gives you kind of insight. So I think I was doing a little bit of work um, or a bit of a, a look into Nurgle, and one of the interesting things about even pre and post its book, it's holding up well against the burst damage output armies mm. because especially now it's resilient. Yeah. Um, it and it's but it's most of its output is chip damage, mortal, and wearing you down over time. And what it absolutely struggles into is Suns. Because there's just absolutely no way it can burst damage off a Mega Gargan. Yeah, it has to grind it and, out. Yeah, and that's like, the, when you start looking at those different, like, when, you, when you've got enough data to start looking at those for trends and situations, and when you understand the types of armies out there, so what's your shooting burst, what's your combat burst, what's your grinding, what's your, your control armies... And then you can see how they play into each, each other and kind of what, what's, what's good and bad. So why are those matchups good and bad matchups for each other? And it actually does the data back it up. I think that's an interesting thing to look at when you're starting to get through enough results for it to mean something. Um, so I kind of, I really I quite enjoy that one because it gives you a little bit of depth to, to what we've got. Um, but other than that, I guess, because I've seen them so often and I had to build them all, um, <coughs> it's hard to come up with a favorite because I love them all so much. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got a favorite kid how dare you uh, <laughs> uh so can we talk about um can we talk about uh the player stats now because uh that's obviously the thing that came up after um for me this was one of those again in those whatsapp chats like rob pointed out uh we'll say something oh wouldn't it be good if or actually recently easy i don't know if you noticed but you're like i wonder if you're doing it to yourself now yeah uh, oh, i know i'm now doing it to myself and it's going to cause me so much more pain <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah you uh the the thing that seems quite interesting to me is uh is the play the new player starts that's that's pretty huge now obviously fair to say um there's there's been there was a lot of uh talking behind the scenes about it uh, do you want to jump us off to you, like what your like your thoughts are about like putting it together and why you thought what like what did you think about some of the things I said maybe what Robin put what were your thoughts on it? I think the, the start off point was we had the data we just didn't use it mm. so we're going through and gathering all this stuff so we might as well see what we can do with it um, and I will perfectly hand on heart when I started having these conversations I knew nothing about the ITC stuff. So 
the fact that <laughs> the fact that the announcement happened literally as I was building output the day before, wasn't it? Day yeah, before. basically. Yeah. Um, I knew nothing about it. It just happened to to fall in place for God knows whatever reason. It's one of those kind of timing things. But it was we had the information. We'd always talked about it. There'd been conversations even with, with other people about, oh, but what about player skill? Or is there any way of kind of looking at the matchup spot when you look at the players that are involved in those matchups as well? Is, is that is that impacting on the win rates? And and um, there are other people in the community have a lot of player information. I think um, JP does a lot of stuff with it. He's got he's got some some Elo stuff and he's had conversations and, and done some some videos on it and some discussions with people around that kind of stuff. So I thought, could we get that from our data? And with a little bit of work and a lot of cleaning of people's names from all the variety of ways they input their names into it, uh, yeah, we were able to actually align all the faction results we've got. And because we get it line by line, and because we know what each each of those armies' results are across all those different rounds and different events, rather than just taking the end result, which a lot of things do, they just take the end result. They know that it's this army went four and one, but who did they play and what round did they play them in? And what because we get the, that detailed information, we were able to to really work up um, what people were doing and who they were playing and and look at the stats for the, the players. And then, of course, we got the apologies for the cap. We got the uh, the situation that as soon as I could do it, we wanted to put it in a ranking because who doesn't want to have a competitive scoring system for player performance? Well, yeah, Rob, what's, what, <laughs> t- Rob, tell me how you feel about the rankings. Like, let's start there. Um, so from the initial thought, I I know what data I input. So I knew we, ha- we had the data and we could do it. It was just a matter of do we want to do it and has Ziggy got the time more than anything. But for me, in the UK at least, we've had one, maybe two forms of rankings and they both work differently and ours works differently again. And I think it's just... We're trying to find that the best way to do it. I think everyone's trying to find the best way, but it's we're just looking at the purely purely looking at the games that are being played. We're not looking at the player. We're not looking at the um, any soft scores, so any painting or any sports votes mm. or any kill points. If people actually still use that, uh, we're just looking at did. It, this person win this game with this army. And I think we just needed to pull that in a presentable way because in the UK, we don't use ITC. As far as I'm aware, it's only a North American thing. It is. I think, yeah. that, I think that's a, a good point, a good um, time to raise it, right? Like is the US yeah. and then not all of the US, both Texas and the Midwest yeah. are pretty anti-ITC. Um, right. like and it's, and it's and it's effectively for Age of Sigmar has been an afterthought as opposed to a main thought, uh, whereas 40k is kind of the bread and butter. Not that it costs anything uh, to use it um, uh, to set up. Now, obviously, like we said, we didn't know that that game, it was going to become Games Workshop official. Apart from I did right. actually physically say that six months ago out loud, but uh, like it takes a while for people to believe me on those on those points. So we did mention that, but. I think ultimately uh, one of the interesting elements about um, not 
it being different to UK rankings for UK people specifically yeah. or ITC for USA based people is that we were we were we were not already US focused yeah obviously lots of events happened this year in the US because um you know they had lots of events on like a lot of other places were under restrictions or couldn't have something happen well one of the um uh bits that is good i think is we have reached out to and i've been working hard on as you guys know with a bunch of different whatsapp yeah. groups and other stuff to reach into and infiltrate a bunch of other communities which have been mm -hmm. very difficult necessarily to get into the spanish community um is one that's really big but fairly difficult to navigate its way into same with the french community they don't they they don't even use their names they all have gamer names <laughs> which is like yeah. like i don't think anyone even knew that like so like because what would be your motivation our motivation has been what are what are the tournament results for armies and by happenstance we picked up player information whereas yeah. like and, and that meant we moved into these different communities uh, which i think is really really interesting um so like it, the the conflict with itc let's say or a uk rankings as well feels like it doesn't really matter because it's cool that they exist as well but what we're trying to do is give a very broad scope and very detailed analysis for everyone in the world which feels right compared to um, compared to just whatever your locality is doing something that makes sense to you. Because it also puts everyone in an even playing field, right, Rob, I think? Yeah, yeah. So, like, for me, in the small area of Northwest I am, I know that I'm quite a good player in my area. But And, then, and I can see on rankings how good I am in the UK. But when they start talking about it, doing it worldwide, I'm like, that's so awesome. Like, I'm not sure there is a way to do that. It's like, who is, how do I rank us in the um, Soulblight rankings in the world? And when I told my wife that, she was like, sure, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that sort of stuff. So um, in, you can see in some places in the world where some armies are more taken than others. And you can see, you can see when you input the list, it's, you see what um, regions, countries are more competitively minded and will take the perceived meta list than others. Mm. Um, and when you talk about the communities, trying to get in with the communities, I joined an Irish WhatsApp group to try and get some lists. And I just got abused because I'm the only English one in there. So <laughs> great. Yeah. That's good. I get I get a lot of very funny messages from people in broken English being like, you want tournaments? And I'm like, do I? Do I? Well, that's, that's one of the things with our rankings is we don't need results submitted to us. We can go out and get them. Mm. So a lot of the other tournaments, uh, rankings, is they have to be submitted by like a TO to them and then they'll get input. Whereas because we just get our most of our information from BCP and Tabletop TO, I can literally just go and get them. It, they don't need to be inputted. Sometimes we need to try and get the lists and or battle plans that are used, but as a whole, we're able to just go out and get them. They don't need to be submitted. Sometimes when we've shown these rankings, people have said, why isn't this included? Why isn't this included? Well, honestly, it's because we haven't got that data or complete data which we're always going to have initially. We're not going to have full sets of results going back to the beginning of Age of Sigmar for everything straight away. But going forward, hopefully, 
players and TOs can notice what we're doing and try and help us do it. And they are doing, if you speak to people on Twitter, TOs are super helpful now. They seem to be yeah. trying to get this information to us. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, I think that's a fantastic response. And if you are one of those TOs out there who is one of those yeah. people, thank you uh, from us. Uh, Ziggy, like, one of the things that I think is quite interesting is some of the information that we elected not to put into the rankings. Or mm. uh, Before we get into that, though, let's let's start with... Uh, let's start with... Because you and me had a lot of back and forth. Rob, you like we were all talking about it together. Mm. Um, we just, we settled on six games, not four games. Yeah. Um, uh, as a, and we did like a waiting system. Do you want to talk to me about the waiting system first? Huh, okay. <laughs> oh, you're why not happy about that. Why I arbi arbitrarily decided to do things. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll take my Games Workshop cap and put it back on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could just say it was arbitrary, right? Like, you could no, just so say it that. Was, so it was, um, there's a lot of thought about, is it is it size of tournament? What what are the impacting factors to your score? So the very first thing is I, just, I wanted the, 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 the actual results you got to have quite a large impact. Mm. So I decided, and we were uh, finishing on the final numbers is almost mainly down to maths, as in it, nine hundred for a tournament for the for the seven results as a maximum is just because it works well to have six hundred based on your on your results and three hundred based off of your results by tournament size, and by having it kind of split in those two different pots rather than the other other systems that might have a multiplier impact or something on the total it very clearly lets people see is it your results that you're doing better on is it your results by tournament size that's kind of helping you get to where you're going mm. and then you can actually then understand is it attend a big more bigger events or is it do better at, at the events to kind of see where people are sitting uh, and then it just came down to trying to, to figure out whether you wanted to what's the ratio to a win to a draw that we wanted to look at so we settled on on 20 points for a win, five for a draw. So it's a one to one to four ratio. If you'd done it as one one to two, so 20 to 10, it would have meant that like a number of draws equal. So it's just all those technical things, trying to make it as fair as possible to give some some weighting to wins at events, to to give some 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 weighting to take to tournament size, but not as much as maybe other systems would would, would use. And like yeah, the number you, of players really impacting onto it. Yeah, because you see it for 40k as a non 40k player and very minor follower, is you see some of these very large events um, that are just being put on because they are very large events to try and get some ranking points. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to avoid that. Well, uh, we just wanted it to be uh, to ensure that some of the smaller events still mattered. We wanted to include those as well. Especially because, like, some of the smaller events are like, because because we've tried, like we like we were just talking about, we've tried quite hard to reach into a bunch of different communities uh, that aren't just North America, as an example, um, or the UK, uh, which is very non-UK based of us. Uh, like, is to reach out to the smaller communities and like, or or other communities, or even non-English language communities, and just say, okay, what's going on there? Can you help us out? Yeah. Like Denmark, isn't everything is everything on Denmark put on Pump Up or whatever? like something they've got their own yeah there's like france has got tawny keeper that they've yeah. done differently mm. um some of the other countries have got different um tools there's as well ones do have a different one i think yeah, yeah. what's their one Sorry, their it's... one's really interesting the layout yeah oh, yeah whatever that one's called yeah. um but yeah well, so, oh, go on after you no i was just gonna say because a a big event 
in the UK is a different size to a big event in a different country. Mm. And this, just because you live in a different country and the biggest event that's ever going to happen in your country is a 40-person event, mm. well, that should still be relevant for you people, for those people. Um, because if you go to that event and you win it, then great, for, good for you. But we still want to include that because it's relevant to the, those people who live there. They don't want to just see their results just not matter overall because they've only gone to the biggest event in their country. They've not travelled internationally. Yeah, I think I think that's that's really relevant because yeah, not having to travel internationally, which uh, ITC does promote, um, uh, feels like good, and not having them to have to be huge feels also much more manageable right like if you're like we can't use this system because it you know, we need 300 people then you're just not going to use it uh which yeah. i think is pretty relevant <laughs> like uh frequency though like um it feels like a good thing to me so like that was a conversation we all had uh, together and we know we've had a lot of pushback on uh but some good news by the way i was speaking to the captain of norway for some aos worlds interview uh, and they they said oh well currently rob we only really have big four big events in a year but we're now going to push that up to six so that we can we can uh, <laughs> like that's good yeah so like it's kind of already the effect that looking to achieve because for me especially in the uk and rob uh, you'll be able to speak on this especially um there was a point where there were only very few large events and it was almost impossible to get into and buy tickets for, right? Yeah, so I was just, uh, when we were doing these rankings, I knew it was going to be six events and I had, I've done two events this season already and I had one more booked in and I was looking to see what events are coming up that I could go to. Hmm. And there was quite a lot, but so many of them are already booked up with reserve lists. And I was just thinking, how far in advance do you have to book all your tournaments up yeah. to be able to go to them? Um, and I've managed to get another one, so that's four for me. And I would like to get another one, but if it is, it'll probably be a local one. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the perceived bigger, more prestigious events, you're going to get a lot of that are going to be our A-class events if you want to call it that, with the higher ranking points, then they are all taken already, pretty much, the, the slots for them. And they have waiting lists for them. And you're like, oh, okay. And then it's just, it's a bit, I don't know, it just feels a bit harsh that a lot of these events are already booked up sometimes before hand. But that's yeah, just because, me, because a lot of large events um, say that they're good for the community. And they're they're mm. good for the existing community, but they're very very bad, I think, for like because also like where do you hear about them? Like you're new, well, yeah. like you and your mate, you go into local games workshop, you buy a two thousand point army, you paint it because you're a pair of legends, yeah. And then you're like, let's go to tournaments, and you're like, okay, how do we find them? Like, it's a really great question. Uh, do you know anyone? <laughs> like, no, I don't know anyone. Yeah, like, okay, well, that's the games that's workshop. I find really, I find really weird that games workshop haven't don't acknowledge any type of support for that. So there's some people out there in the community who do great work. Mm. Yeah. of gathering results and gathering not results sorry the the, the tournament schedules yeah, um the dank hold is it um trog yeah trog, trog does it. has got a, a great one um there's, there's there's loads out there if you know where to look already and if you're already part of the community yeah. and i would really wish even if they don't have to literally officially sponsor all these things games workshop 
especially now that they're doing meta watch articles and other things they're dipping their toe into the competitive community they at least point the people in a direction to find out where tournaments are taking place yeah rather I mean, than it being a a game of whispers or are you in the right whatsapp group or do you know the right people on twitter to kind of find the right links and that kind of stuff it's if you're coming from the outside it's very difficult i feel to probably understand the range of tournaments you can go to yeah so yeah so from like a very uk centric point of view i wanted it to be six events because i think the us has no problem having that many events which is good and the ones that are on a larger scale the problem for the us players is that they have to go to a lot of events that are also massive yeah whereas this takes that pressure off they can just go to like some more like they generally tend to fly for a lot of events and i think that i think they're a very active and lively community i think that i think the u.s community is fantastic because they they very actively support the community um that they're a part of right and and i think the tournaments in return support them back generally the tournaments are pretty pretty fancy right like compared especially compared to uk standards uh like be honest (laughs) like it's not a school hall right or a bin or whatever we play in um the uh but i think rob's point being based in the uk i was lucky enough to be able to like eventually kind of get into that inside group i was like because i met some people and then know when events were coming up but i'm also still not a very good long-term planner as a person i'm not like you know someone's like do you want to go to this event uh like you know february 2023 and i'm like I'm not committing to that. That's a long way away. <laughs> That's like, <a> <laughs> I'm not doing that. The uh, so, but six events that are smaller, but still not too small, feel like very relevant because yeah. uh, the one thing I would like to do is I would like to encourage there being more events because that kind of like that kind of like um, you know that that damp you know bunker busts those exclusive events, Rob that we have here in the UK. So maybe that doesn't seem like more of a problem to other people, but I also feel like if you've got places like Norway or France or other places going to put on more events because they would like to have them, but not feeling like they have to put on a 300 person event, it feels like it's more, you're more likely to get new players in, huge positive to me, grows the community, more likely to get new players in, more likely to support TOs who do things professionally well because then they can be like, well, actually, I can hold like nearly eight of these a year. That's enough for me to to turn this into a little bit of a small business, which is nice, as opposed to a mega business, which maybe isn't run particularly well. Uh, so it felt like six was the right number for me. But generally, people, uh, I think some people felt a little bit like they had to push back on that. I, I'm not sure. I don't know what you think. It just People just don't like change. <laughs> Good, point. Good point. People have got used to doing four events or one every three months and doing a team event that gives you loads of rankings and then we just said well if you're doing six events then you're supporting your community better than yeah. someone who does four events so let's reward you for that yeah it's just it's not a it's not a oh you can only do four events so you're not going to top of the rankings well it's it's more of a push because i know a lot of my friends have said that Oh, it's six events instead of four. So let's let's try and push for that extra one event at least to try and do it and mm. um, get more rankings. And it do, it does push the community. And more people going to more events is better for everyone, right? Yeah. So more opportunity to meet more people. More opportunity for local gaming stores to make a bit of cash, like you know your your gaming centers and you know your yeah. your Firestorm for your Firestorm and your Element Games and all your other places. Like it's good for them. Uh, like that's healthy. That's obviously based in the UK. Uh, it's good for like it's good for everyone. Like it's good to generally encourage it. 
and but it's but what it's not doing it's not breaking the bank it's not being like can you have eight thousand people at your event no or like which i feel that's the negative that's the only pushback yeah. i've ever had because we we did discuss it at the very beginning just having no limits on it and it was like well that just seems crazy because then you're just rewarding the people who can go to the most events mm. so we stopped that pretty straightforward um because i don't know what itc does um they're, 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 so that's your, they're your top five, but they they weight it very differently. They weight it on um, size of the event and rounds that you play. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, so the, the tournament has a points available to it. So, like the bigger tournaments, literally have like five times the number of points available. That's an exaggeration, but there's there's a set the, like you collect a certain number of points at this tournament. So the bigger ones are just worth so much more. So so that we, means more people go to the bigger ones which is yeah. great for the tournament organizer because then they're able to be like, well, we could just run five of these a year and just make big, crazy money. Like, so it's good for them on that. But like, all it really does is reward. Like, and then you have to get into things where, so for instance, Rob, if that, if that was to be the process that would happen here in the UK, mm-hmm. yeah, we would have to have a minimum of five, three-day Asia Sigma tournaments. How likely do you think that is to fly around here? Um, well, we were talking about the casual plays before. No casual play wants to go to a three-day event. <laughs> um, a two-day event. I remember going to my first two-day event at Warhammer World, and I was scared playing a bunch of people I, I don't know. Um, but Trent was pushing that to eight games over three days. Nah, thanks. It's not just that it's, the, it's an extra day off. You have to get a day off work for that, maybe two. Uh, extra um, day of hotel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'd stand up on the cost, like, no thanks. Um, I think... A six day event, a six game event is pushing it. To be honest, um, I think our because fa- we record the first five games at an event. Mm. So, for example, LVO was eight games. We just record the first five. Yep. And I think having that standard model it just makes it easier and simpler for people to understand. Um, yeah. And yeah, so as long as we keep it as that. Yeah, no, I, think, I, 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 I agree with you. Like, I actually think that the, the model that it's the first five is really, really useful. Also, yeah. bigger event doesn't mean better player base. Like, no. that isn't how it works. Like, you could have, like, and I've said this before, you can have 32 cutthroat players in a room, like, best in the world, um, you know, and that'll be as tough as, you know, a 250-person event where there's a lot of lads on the beers at the weekend. Well, you can see that when you, in, when I'm inputting the list, if you yeah. look at, some of the like small events, so it might be like um like the Bad Moon Cafe. Mm. So they have maybe twenty four players, and you look at those names on those players, and half of them, three quarters of them, went to your Super Series events. Mm. So they were all top players running top armies, and you compare that to a Warhammer World event, where half the people will be their first uh, first tournament. So they are very different, but still counted the same. I'm going to have to go in a minute. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Uh, all right. There's, there's one thing I wanted to point just about the tournament size. Yep. In the end, and this might be a very unpopular uh, opinion, mm. but if we're looking for the best performing tournament players, having them go to six events and, and having people complain that they can't do four because they only go for a bit of fun, there's nothing wrong with being not the top in a best performing tournament list if you're not doing six events. Because you're yeah. you're not as committed or able to go to those tournaments as some of the players who are, and so it, it, there's nothing wrong with not being at the top. No. You can you can be where you where you sit with the number of tournaments you've got, and the way that our system shows the points 
you can still see how well you've performed, and then you can see how many of those points are coming from tournaments. So it's you, you can still you can still get it. You can still see where you sit equivalently. So it's it's. I don't think it's a bad thing to say. We'd like you to go to six. Six is where we think the sweet spot is. I agree. And if you could just do four normally, and then you go to two more more local ones that only have twenty players, then you're supporting your local community. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Which is important to us, like like yeah. super important to us. The okay, so just to wrap it up, because I think we could still do probably about eight more hours, uh, <laughs> and uh, in in conscious of time, um, uh, thank you to you, uh, Z. Thank you to you, Rob, uh, for what you do already. Uh, I'm going to include, if you're watching this back on YouTube or you listen to it as a podcast, I'm going to include the social links both to the Stat Center and to both of you, if you want to reach out and talk about any aspect of this. Is there anything? Is there one last thing that either of you would like everyone who's listening to know? Uh, by any chance, anything you think that's super relevant, super important that we might not have covered yet? Um, this is only the beginning. Um, it's only going to get better. <laughs> that's to about Great stuff. In our super secret um, syndicate WhatsApp chat. <laughs> is, um, I don't think anybody's ever done before. I might be wrong on that, but if we're able to do that, then that will just blow people's minds. Yeah, 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 agreed. Ziggy? Um, no pressure, Ziggy. I guess the, the one thing I'd say is if you run a two-day event for 2,000 points um, that is not crazy and has some weird, weird rules and you don't use BCP or tabletop TO, um, please maybe consider doing so. And if you don't want to do that, please get in contact with us. If you get in contact with us, we can tell you what we need. The, the, there's, a, there's a bare minimum we need to be able to put stuff into the stats. It's if not can, a lot. If you can get us that information, we will be more than happy to stick it in there. The yeah. more data we get, the better. The better all of this becomes with the, the with breadth of information. Even better if you could fill it in yourselves. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> that'd be really good. One day. Yeah, one day. Uh, right, right. Thank you very much to you two, uh, and I hope you guys have enjoyed listening. And see you guys soon.